Lord Jesus, we ask you to send the same spirit who raised you from the grave to come and minister to us this morning through your story that we may see ourselves fully a part of it, that we might be strengthened and encouraged to live it out. Open our eyes to your love and our hearts to your presence, we pray, for your glory and for our freedom and joy. Amen. Please be seated. So last week was awesome. Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. Um, we gathered here. Even our plan B was incredible. Um, we, got to, we got to come inside and uh, the place was packed and our hearts were filled with, with joy and with gratitude to celebrate um, the culmination of the story of God that Jesus is not dead, he's alive and he has come to give us his life. And Brian took us through the resurrection narrative. It was wonderful. And we stepped into the story of God. And last week, many of you prayed that prayer of faith. Maybe somebody prayed it for the first time. Uh, maybe someone was thinking, well, I'm, I'm kind of following Jesus. I think I've kind of got him penciled in. And I'm going to pray this prayer of faith. I'm just going to ink it in. Some of you as followers of Jesus prayed that prayer of faith with Brian just as a way to refresh and renew your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We prayed um, that prayer, Lord Jesus, I'm truly sorry for the wrong things that I've done. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for rising from the grave for me. I receive you. As the forgiver of my sins, I commit to follow you as the leader of my life. Now, please, fill me with your Holy Spirit and enable me to have a relationship with you that lasts forever. That was our Easter prayer last week. And I just want to say, if you prayed that prayer for the first time last week, and you want to celebrate what God is doing in you and what God will continue to do in you and through you, um, we want to celebrate baptism with you. And if you want to be baptized, we're going to have baptisms in a couple of weeks. And that's just an opportunity for you to celebrate what God's doing inwardly with that outward representation that you have been buried with Christ in his death and raised with him in his resurrection. So come and talk to me, talk to Pastor Brian, maybe even go to one of the prayer teams this, after, uh, this morning around um, communion um, and have that conversation with the prayer teams. We're gonna have baptisms here in a couple of weeks. Well, um, Easter was awesome. It was great. Worshiping in here, going out and having the egg hunt, um, many of us brought picnic lunches. I think my family was here to like 2.30. We had um, a great kickball game. My boys dominated in kickball. It always makes a father proud. But actually, it was, it was, fun. It was fun for everyone. Everybody participated. It was, it was really great. Um, Michael took some great pictures. Um, and I've got a blackmail picture of Brian, which I'm holding on to um, until I need it. So <laughs> it, was a, it was a really great um, Sunday celebrating um, what it means for Jesus not only to be alive but also alive in us and alive in his people, the church. But what about today? What does the resurrection mean for us today? What about tomorrow? What about next week? What about the rest 
of our lives? What does the resurrection of Jesus mean to us now? And that's what we're going to look at this morning as we, we step into the story of God. We've come a long way since September. Um, the culmination, you know, in Resurrection Sunday last week. But the story continues. And today we're going to look at the story of what happens on the evening of Resurrection Sunday. So if you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to open up to John chapter 20, beginning with verse 19. If you have a blue Bible, um, John chapter 20 is on page 906. And uh, open up your your Bible app on your phone or on your iPad. I know you're going to open that up to John chapter 20. You're not going to look at the sports scores or do your grocery list. I know John chapter 20, verses 19 through 23. Here's what's going on. On the evening of his resurrection, Jesus breathes the breath of life into his disciples. It's an amazing story that we heard Lucy read. And in order to understand the significance of this monumental moment, I want to walk us through the five gospel questions. The five gospel questions that we use in our life groups. Remember, Jesus never said, I came to give you church. He said, I came to give you life and life to the full. So as we, as we understand the evening of Jesus' resurrection and what's going on in the gospel and in our story this morning, we need to step back and look at the overarching framework of God's story. And it begins with God. And that God is the God of life. The God of life. Several years ago, I was facilitating a life group. And in that life group was a graduate student named Eric Soon. Eric was from Southeast Asia. And Eric grew up a Buddhist, and his family um, was practicing Buddhism. He, he was a Buddhist. And in our life group, we were going through um, Genesis. And we were only two or three weeks in. And when I was beginning to teach about how God is the God of life and how God breathed his life into Adam and how God never intended humanity to die, he got a very confused look on his face. And in extremely broken English, he raised his hand and he said, God is the God of life? No one's ever told me that. I've always believed, like where I come from and in my family, that death is a good thing. And after several more weeks of the love and the encouragement from his friends around him, opening up the word, continuing to understand the story of God, the spirit of God transformed Eric's heart. He became a follower of Jesus, and we baptized him at the pool at Camp Buckner. And he stepped out of death and into life because he discovered that Jesus is alive and now is alive in and through him. Life is God's intention from the very beginning. God creates us to be spiritually alive. You remember back in this story, the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and what? (sighs) Breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. God breathes life, God breathes his spirit 
into Adam. It's kind of like a balloon. I think I can do it. Thank you. We are created to be spiritually alive. We're designed to be responsive to God and to his design and purposes for our lives and a relationship with him. And as a result, we're able to experience perfect love and perfect peace, perfect health and perfect harmony, perfect joy and perfect freedom. God creates us, not just physically, but physically and spiritually with a life that is full. And you know what God says about this life? It's very good. It's very good. Now, the story turns foul, doesn't it? Because when Adam and Eve sin, they become spiritually deflated. Their spiritual breath gets knocked out of them. And they become empty and powerless to live the full life that God creates them to enjoy. And the reality is that you and I experience the same loss of life, the same loss of power. Our sin separates us from the presence of God and the power of God, and sin leaves us spiritually lifeless. There's still his image. He still loves us. But that image is broken and shattered, and we are lifeless apart from the presence of God. And so what do we try and do? We try and regain that spiritual life. We try to regain that relationship and that, that power within us. And we try and do that. We try all sorts of clever and creative ways to regain that life, believing that if we do enough, if we do it right, if we get the grade, if we give the gift, if, if we make the sale, if we make someone happy, if we save the world, whatever, that somehow we'll be able to breathe spiritual life back into ourselves. And as clever and as smart as we think we are, all of our attempts to restore ourselves to a right relationship with God and to breathe his life back into us sound like this to God. We can't breathe spiritual life into ourselves, not even our best efforts, not with our most sincere, not our most highly moral and super spiritual attempts. We cannot fill our broken and deflated 
identity. We are spiritually empty. And we have no ability and no power to give ourselves spiritual life. That's the bad news that makes the good news so good. Because you know what? God doesn't leave us broken and he doesn't leave us empty. He doesn't leave us alone. He doesn't abandon us or leave us powerless. And so the story of God continues like this. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome go to the tomb of Jesus. And when they arrive, they look up and they see the very large, substantial stone has been rolled away, leaving the tomb wide open. And so they enter the tomb. And when they enter the tomb, they see an angel clothed in white and sitting at the right side. And the women are absolutely shocked. But the angel says to them, don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. He's alive. Now, go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee and you're gonna see him there just as he told you before he died. And so the women take off. They run back to the disciples, trembling, bewildered, frightened. And then later on that evening, Sunday evening, the disciples are gathered together. And they're afraid. They're afraid that the Jewish leaders might track them down and crucify them just like they crucified Jesus. And so they lock the doors in the house and quietly they're discussing the day's events. They're confused about the testimonies that they're hearing. And so with wonder, they discuss, is Jesus dead or is Jesus alive? If he's not in the tomb, then where is he? Okay, wait, so what exactly did that angel say again? Could you just tell us one more time? And then suddenly, Jesus shows up. He enters the house, he walks into the middle of the room, and he says, peace be with you. And as he speaks, he shows the disciples the wounds in his hands and in his feet and at his side. And everybody is absolutely exuberant. It's the Lord, they proclaim. And I'm imagining there's lots of smiles and hugging and tears of joy and amazement and gratitude. This is a defining moment. And Jesus says again, peace be with you. And then he takes a deep breath and breathes into them. And as he does that, he says, 
receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus is doing the same thing he did in the garden when he breathed life into Adam. He's breathing spiritual life into the disciples' deflated, empty souls. Jesus is giving the disciples new and abundant and eternal life. This is when the disciples are born again. See, until the resurrection, no one had been born again. Jesus is the firstborn from among the dead. And now, in the first miracle after his resurrection, Jesus takes a deep breath and breathes the breath of life into them, saying, receive the Holy Spirit. Because of the resurrection, the Holy Spirit is breathed into everyone who believes Jesus is Lord. As followers of Jesus, we're temples of the Holy Spirit. We're like balloons, not only created and redeemed physically, but created and redeemed spiritually for the breath, for the life, for the ruach of the living God, the presence and the power of the third person of the Godhead who dwells and makes his home within us. We are the place where the spirit of God resides. This is the consistent teaching throughout the New Testament that has been passed down from the apostles and through the church and that we receive as the faith with a capital F today. Let me just, let me just read to you a little bit about our new identity in Christ, what it means for the old to be gone and for the new to come. I'm just going to read scripture over you that the word of God would fall on the good soil of your hearts and bear faith and much fruit for the Father's glory. Listen, listen to who we are. We died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Now we are united with the one who was raised from the dead. And as a result, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God because the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Everyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. And now God is working in you, giving you both the desire and the power to do what pleases him. 
And finally, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for us, pure and undefiled beyond the reach of change or decay. This is how God restores us to spiritual life. This is what resurrection power means, not just last week, but today and tomorrow and forever. And you know what that means? That means that becoming a new creation in Christ doesn't happen because our parents believe. It doesn't happen because our spouses believe. It doesn't happen because of some kind of disciplined religious plan. It doesn't happen because of emotionalism. Becoming a new creation in Christ happens because we are born again. Since we are born spiritually dead in our sin, we must be spiritually reborn in Christ. And this new birth happens from the inside out. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He conceives spiritual life in all those who receive Jesus. And he adopts us as sons and daughters of the Father. And that's why with the Spirit within us, the Spirit testifies and reminds us that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus and that we are members of his household, sons and daughters in Christ, brothers and sisters because of the person and the ministry of the Holy Spirit that now is at work in us. When you receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, you're filled with the presence of God. If you're a follower of Jesus, then you have the Holy Spirit inside you. And with that new nature, you receive new power. So the Christian life is not about you trying on your own strength to follow a set of rules or regulations. The Christian life is you being transformed by the power of the risen Lord Jesus who gave his life for you in order to put his life in you that he may live his life through you. That's who we are. That's who we are. That's good news. Now here's the question. Are we drawing on the resurrection power that's available to us? See, the risen Lord, he came to breathe. He came to give us life and life to the full. The risen Lord Jesus came to give us the Holy Spirit. Not rules, but relationship. Not good advice, but good news. Not laws, but life. Not a new leaf, but new birth. Not our power. But his. Now, here's the problem, right? Even as born again followers of Jesus, we're still leaky. 
We're leaky balloons. Sometimes we're squeaky. Leaky balloons. And some of you may be feeling like that today. Some of you may feel that you're spiritually out of breath. Some of you may feel that, yeah, I'm following Jesus, but I really just don't feel his presence and his power in my life. Some of you here this morning feel deflated and empty on the inside. And that's why the New Testament witness is that we might keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because God loves us, he created us, he redeemed us, he fulfilled us, and he's not done with us. He knows that we don't need his presence and power just once, that we need his presence and power all the time so that we might continue to keep in step with the Spirit, with his life working in us and for us and through us, that we might live the life that God created us and redeemed us to live, not in and of ourselves, but because of him who died and rose again for us through the power of his spirit that he puts in us. Experiencing full and abundant life in Christ today and tomorrow and forever is a matter of yielding to the person and to the power of the Holy Spirit who fills us with the same life that he gave Jesus and raised him from the grave. That's who we are, y'all. Now, How about we do that? How about we ask this morning for the Holy Spirit to come and fill us with life? If we ask Jesus to come into our hearts and to breathe life into us, why don't we, why don't we ask the Holy Spirit to come now and just to fill us afresh with his love, with his life, with his power. Did y'all like that? I need that, y'all. We all need that. So let's just invite the Holy Spirit to come now and to fill us afresh. Lord Jesus, we believe. We believe you are who you say you are. We believe you do what you say you do. And that you promised that you would send someone greater than yourself someone to remind us of who you are and to teach us everything you commanded, someone to remind us of who we are in you, someone that connects us with you, that enables us to abide in you and you in us, someone that convicts us of our sin and leads us into truth and righteousness and holiness. Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. And we ask you now, Jesus, 
to send the same Spirit who raised you from the grave to come into our lives afresh here and now. Come, Holy Spirit. We welcome you here. We welcome you into our hearts. Come and fill us, Holy Spirit. Wherever we're confused, show us Jesus. However we're anxious, give us your peace. For whatever reason we're afraid, pour out your love in our hearts. Come, Holy Spirit, heal us. Come, Holy Spirit, put us back together again. Come, Holy Spirit, raise us to life in Christ our Savior. We welcome you, Lord. Come, Lord.